We also need Indigenous perspectives in all of our policies, programs, and operations across the Government of Canada, and those perspectives are valid, they're important, and they need to be heard. And this is why Indigenous peoples should be in the public service in in greater numbers. Indigenous Perspectives Indigenous Perspectives Indigenous Perspectives Stories from Indigenous Public Servants Kansai This is Indigenous Perspectives A program where we hope to explore the experiences and perspectives of Indigenous public servants what reconciliation means to them, and what it can be for Canada. On this episode, a conversation with someone who has been described by citizens and colleagues as a nation builder, a superstar, someone who broke through every barrier that was ever put in front of her, but who describes herself as someone who is humble and who did not have big dreams as a child and who never thought that she would ever work in government. She attributes much of her success to her two grandmothers strong women who were activists and role models within her community and who played a hand in gently guiding her and giving her many teachings along the way. Hello, it's Gina. Hi, Gina. It's Todd Lyons calling. Todd, how are you? I'm well. So, for someone that may not know you, because we're pitching this to the entire public service and, and even maybe to Canadians in general. What's your elevator pitch, an introduction of who you are and what you do? And that could be you professionally or just you personally and your overall life mission. I'm Gina Wilson. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I'm a nation member of the Algonquin Nation, community member of Gitigan CB Anishinaabeg. I'm currently Deputy Minister of Status Women Canada. And I'm a dedicated public servant that's worked in both the federal public service as well as the First Nation public service. I also am DM champion of, of federal Indigenous employees in the government of Canada. And my passion is I'm a believer in our youth and what I want them to succeed and I want a better society for them. That's who I am. So in your opinion, what does it mean to be an Indigenous executive in the public service? Are there some realities that, that non-Indigenous executives or employees yeah. might be unaware of? So what it means to me to be an Indigenous executive in the public service is, and being a leader in the public service is owning who I am as a First Nation Algonquin member, offering my perspectives uh, in my daily interactions and living to my values um, and the teachings that I've had growing up and, and incorporating those into my, my daily interactions. 
um, for an Indigenous executive, sometimes it's about influencing Indigenous policy programs and operations and, and having that insight and being able to, to translate Indigenous, pol- Indigenous policy and Indigenous understandings to the federal system or the, you know, being in the federal system and translating that for the Indigenous community. And sometimes it's about being uh, an Indigenous public servant um, impacting and influencing non-Indigenous policies, programs, and operations. So we do have a Indigenous executives in, in the Government of Canada that, that work both in Indigenous issues and uh, very much not in non-traditional uh, Indigenous fields as well. Now, you mentioned bringing your, your teachings into your, your work, uh, your role. Can you, can you expand on that? I, that's fascinating. Sure. So, um, so for instance, I would say, for me, I, I think it's really important to value the wisdom of, of elders. So I have mentors who are elders, who are older public servants, for instance, and even those that are retirees. So valuing uh, those individuals um, uh, is, is part of my understanding and teachings and, and learning from them is, is part of that. Um, bringing into the public service the notion of balance and wellness. You know, we talk a lot about mental health, but I talk more about spiritual, mental, emotional, physical health as as elements of the medicine wheel and, and promoting wellness and balance in that regard. So that's part of my understandings and teachings that I incorporate into my my everyday life. Um, values such as, uh, you know, caring and strength and honesty and respect are very much values that uh, I was taught as a young person, and those are teachings. There are many teachings around that, but there are also very, very a lot of synergies with public service values. So I think that's what I mean when I when I think about um, you know my culture, who I am, and, and how those apply to the to the public service. Now, why do you think that First Nations, Métis, Inuit people should consider a career in the public service? And and what are your thoughts on the GC's recruitment and retention work? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good, really good question. So, so why should Indigenous people join the public service? Well, there there's some good jobs in the public service. It, it's pretty basic in terms of you know good pay and benefits, and and that's what we look for in our in our professional. Uh, career and, and our lives. Um, but I think if, if you're also someone who's open to variety and change, there's a lot of opportunity for mobility in the public service. Uh, mobility, uh, not only geographically, because the public service is Canada-wide, so one can virtually you know, move at some point to any part of the country, but the different mobility by working in different departments, having the opportunity to experience different cultures in different departments uh, is also a great benefit of the public service. And again, I think about uh, the values and ethics and, and how they align with Indigenous peoples in terms of uh, respect and, and strength and honesty and caring. Those are values and ethics that I, I want to see uh, across the public service as well. So, uh, And we also need Indigenous perspectives in, in all of our policies, programs, and operations across the Government of Canada. And those perspectives are valid, they're important, and they need to be heard and um, this is why Indigenous peoples should be in the public service in, in greater numbers. We are doing a good job at, at recruitment. Um, I would say we've made some great strides over the last few years. Um, we have a, an Indigenous summer employment program. 
that has uh, you know expanded over the year the last couple of years. We have managers in many parts of the public service who are finding innovative creative ways to bring in our the talent uh, the talented young indigenous peoples uh, across the country so they're doing people are are, are trying different things and, and doing uh, you know initiating programs to bring in indigenous peoples I think we can do a lot more on the retention side um, I think we still have a ways to go in terms of keeping indigenous peoples in the public service what our data is demonstrating is that um, indigenous peoples are coming in at a, at a good rate, but they're leaving once they are in. So that is signifying something about retention and what we need to do. And, and that's the focus of um, uh, a report called Many Voices, One Mind. And it, it essentially is a report that describes some of the experiences of federal indigenous employees. What can you tell me about your uh, activities and your role as a champion in this area? So my role as DM champion of federal Indigenous employees is certainly to be knowledgeable about some of the issues that federal Indigenous employees have been dealing with and grappling with. And I can say personally that I've experienced that over my last 20-some years career in the federal public service. So being knowledgeable about those issues is the role of a champion. Another role would be to be an advocate for federal Indigenous employees. So being able to uh, hear views and, and understand limitations and being an advocate on behalf of, of the, um, the many uh, people that I work with uh, across the public service. I also recognize uh, to, to an extent as well that it's important uh, to have role models and I found myself being in the position of being a role model, being you know the most senior federal public servant who is of um, First Nation descent and, and that's important to people. It's, it's important to young people to know that they can become a deputy minister. It's important for young Indigenous people to know that there are senior people in the federal public service who are of Indigenous origin because it's something that they can um, they can acquire as well. Now, speaking just as, as an individual, as a person, what does reconciliation mean to you? From a very personal perspective, being a member of Gitigan ZB, being a member of the Algonquin Nation, for me, reconciliation would mean when our nations, our nation um, of Canada and the Algonquin Nation, uh, were able to come to some agreement, some uh, recognition of the territory that that we that we live on on a day-to-day basis. Um, that is um, something that is in the future, but something that I have every confidence will occur. Um, as as a member of the public service, a federal um, public service employee, reconciliation can can mean just what we've been talking about: recruitment and retention of Indigenous employees. It means. Uh, indigenous employees feeling valued and recognized. And when I, when I hear more and more stories of indigenous federal employees being valued and recognized, that, that to me is a very personal, um, means of, of understanding reconciliation and, and perhaps some of the, the decolonization that, that we need to, to talk about as well. And then finally, I would say as, as a mother and as a grandmother now, um, it's the young people are very important to me. Increasingly, I think about them a lot. I talk to them a lot. Um, I, I work with many members of youth uh, from my own community. And to me, it's truly, truly important that reconciliation will mean when I see our young people advancing, when I see them succeeding, when I see them 
um, you know, acquiring the positions in, in the world that they should. And uh, that would be a real reconciliation for me. Now, when I think about some of the people that I've talked to over this series and, and outside of, of uh, podcasting, I've observed a sense of sort of misunderstanding and a sense of disconnection involving Canadians at large and the, the area of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? What can it mean to a typical Canadian who, who doesn't understand how they could help or perhaps even why they should help? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And it's a question I hear a lot when I talk to public servants about about reconciliation and decolonization and you know people ask well what can I do I'm I'm I, I can't do much I don't work in indigenous policy I don't work on uh indigenous programs uh I'm I'm a service Canada employee who works you know at a desk in in uh in in an area where there's not a lot of indigenous people so um so it it's it's really the the little things that people can do uh for that employee that perhaps they can learn how to say um acknowledge a greeting in the local indigenous language um or they can acknowledge learn how the the region is acknowledged i think for for a lot of um canadians they've come to understand that there was a residential school in their their local area that might be something to to understand and, and research was there was there a school nearby and and who went to that school and and uh, what is the history of that school um canadians can learn about their their local area and, and maybe some of the indigenous communities around them and and a lot of canadians have had have had interactions with local indigenous communities but understanding maybe um <coughs> a broader diversity um we could do podcasts we can read books we can talk to friends and colleagues of indigenous descent um, and we can go to a cultural event. Many, many Indigenous cultural events are well, everyone is welcome. Um, or we could join a group or, or start a group. There's a whole host of activities that uh, a typical Canadian can undertake, and many, many Canadians are, are currently undertaking, and um, it, it's heartening to see, and, um, and I can only encourage it. Do you have any final thoughts to share before we wrap up? Well, I would say that for um, many Indigenous employees in the federal government, but Indigenous employees working in other governments or even in the First Nation public service, it's not always easy to to um, to walk in that world. And sometimes uh, for some of us, it's walking in two worlds. Uh, there are those limitations that um, that are there, and I wouldn't necessarily see it as as something that is a barrier, but something that necessarily is something you got to work harder to to get somewhere. Um, finally, I'd also like to mention that for non-Indigenous peoples, it's important to recognize at times that there is uh, a bias, and sometimes it's a very unconscious bias. Um, you know, I, I I encounter it myself in different areas when I work in different parts of the, the federal public service. You know, I, I've learned that I don't understand enough about the Chinese community. I don't understand enough about the Muslim community. I don't understand enough about the LGBTQ2 community. Um, and, and, and I may have an unconscious bias as well. So I'm trying to... Um, Further, my learning at this time about about unconscious bias and um, 
and um, encourage everyone, everyone else to, and all, all your listeners. And that's it. That's great. That's <laughs> good advice we could all learn from. Yeah. Thanks so much for speaking all with the me best today. To you. More than welcome. It was a pleasure, Todd. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Indigenous Perspectives, Stories from Indigenous Public Servants, is a production of Employment and Social Development Canada. All opinions expressed on Indigenous Perspectives are strictly those of the individual and are not necessarily those of their employer. Our main title music is by Boogie the Beat. I'm Todd Lyons, host, writer, and technical producer for this series. Thank you for listening.